The Twins miss out on Carlos Correa for the second time in one week. How did this happen? What do I think of it? It's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Wednesday, December 21st, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Thanks for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Again, this is Nash Walker, three seasons hosting a daily podcast on the Minnesota Twins, four seasons writing about the Minnesota Twins at twinsdaily.com. The Twins have lost out on Carlos Correa for the second time, not once but twice, and this one I think hurts more, and I'm going to tell you why today. Carlos Correa is a New York Met. He signed a 12-year, $315 million deal with Steve Cohen's Mets, and we got some details tonight from Ken Rosenthal. So what happened here? Carlos Correa was a giant. He came to an agreement with the Giants, was supposed to have his press conference Tuesday that was postponed, and then late Tuesday night into Wednesday morning, it's announced that he's now in agreement with the Mets on a deal. The Giants backed out because of his physical. Apparently, they were willing to renegotiate, but hadn't contacted Scott Boris throughout the day. So he went to his buddy, Steve Cohen, now, who's who's probably going to be buddy-buddy with Scott Boris because he's willing to spend. And Steve Cohen from Hawaii signed Carlos Correa, came to an agreement for 12 years and $315 million, one year and $35 million less than Correa would have gotten in San Francisco. And a key part of this equation Carlos Correa is going to play third base. He's going to play third base in New York. All world premium platinum glove shortstop is going to play third base in New York next to his buddy, Francisco Lindor. Here are the details from Ken Rosenthal. Start with this. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. If not, I'll tell you. It says in Minneapolis, the twins were preparing a media session with new outfielder, Joey Gallo. Minnesota had been keen to keep Correa, whatever, whatever. This part is interesting. The team was willing to re-engage even as the Associated Press reported that the Giants were balking at a medical issue. The Twins had a solid understanding of Correa's medical history, having just employed him. That makes sense. And the team had still been willing to make a 10-year, $285 million offer. More from Rosenthal a little bit later on in the story. He contacted the Twins. Scott Boris reached out to the Twins Tuesday to re-engage. The presence of the Mets gave Boris leverage. Rosenthal writes, if Minnesota wanted Correa, Boris conveyed the team needed to improve its earlier offer. The Twins would not have advanced the conversation without investigating the potential issues caused by Correa's physical. The team did not intend to increase its bid beyond 10 years and $285 million. Huh. So the Twins just had Carlos Correa for a year. They were willing to offer him 10 and 285. They... Rosenthal writes, had a good idea. They were comfortable about his medicals. And then later on says, oh, we didn't want to increase our offer because we want to see what's in the medicals. And they didn't come off of 10 and 285. Here's the deal with this. I tweeted earlier today when I heard about this agreement, I wanted to know the main source of information. The main thing I wanted to know is, did Scott Boris go back to the twins and give them an opportunity to grab a seat at the table again in negotiation? And my point was, if he did not, if Scott Boris did not go back to the Twins 
Tuesday and ask them if they want to get reengaged, then I don't believe Correa's whole thing throughout and the twins belief that if all things are equal, he wants to return because if that was the case, Boris would reach out to the twins knowing that his client would prefer to return to Minnesota if all things are equal. So I felt if Boris did not reach back out to the twins, that was all window dressing. If he did, if he did reach out to the twins, which we later found out from Rosenthal's excellent reporting that he did, and the twins did not raise their offer from 285 million, they should be criticized for that. Absolutely. If you get outbid 350 to 285, you could argue they should have come up on 285, like closer to 350. But Carlos Gray signed for 350 with the Giants. Signing for 315 just kind of pisses me off. Like it pisses me off that the twins would not be willing to go higher. Now it's possible that the Mets would have just Cohen and it's likely even Cohen would have just said, Oh, the twins are at 315. Well, let's do 330 then. Let's do 340. And the twins just thought, We're not going to get into this. We're not going to get into that. It would be nice to know though that they gave it a legitimate chance and a legitimate try. And 285 million is a hundred million more, more than a hundred million more, I guess than the largest contract this franchise has ever given out. That's a big deal. 10 for 285 is a big deal. It's a great like starting offer. And I thought Correa wouldn't get over 300 million this offseason. I was proven pretty wrong about that. He signed for 315 ultimately. So right around, you know, that's not a crazy difference. And he's playing third base. Like that's a key equation in this for me. If the Twins would have offered Correa 315 million and they said, you can play shortstop for us every day. Is he still signing with the Mets? Yes, but then I would uh, probably, I don't know, yes. But then I would know, like, okay, that whole thing about him wanting to return if all things were equal, it was it was window dressing, and he would prefer to go to the Mets even at the same dollar figure the Twins offered. But the Twins didn't even come up from 285. They offered him 280, and they came up to 285. That was, that was as far as they were willing to go on this, which to me is frustrating, and I think fans have a right to be frustrated about that, ultimately. At the end of the day, if he signs a contract for $350 million over 13 years, yeah, I get that. I get, you know, I understand it more. But he signed for 315 and the Twins were at 285 And if you're willing to offer 285 why not three, 310 You know, I, I, maybe they felt like they didn't have a chance at that spot. It's just, it's frustrating to me. Uh, this situation is frustrating. More on Correa, where the Twins go from here what this teaches us about the future and whether their offer was just kind of uh, media posturing after this word from betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you've already listened to the Lockdown Podcast, including Lockdown Twins, Lockdown MLB, Lockdown Sports Today. You can find podcasts at Bet Online as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get all of your betting information. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. Again, betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis this basketball season, this hockey season. You can go bet futures in free agency or I guess free agency is almost closed, but you can bet futures, MLB, whatever you're looking for. They have you covered. BetOnline.net is where the game starts. Thank you again for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, 
and Locked On's Take of the Day. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. What does the Correa saga tell us about the future? I was, I was hopeful that, you know, throughout this process, I would read it and I would hear it and I would see it in comments. And I'm not saying the twins have not had a history of doing this, but I, I saw a lot of comments that, Hey, you know, this is the twins way of saying, Hey, we tried, you know, trying to, it's a PR move to the fans to say we offered 285 million. It's a hundred million more than any contract we've ever handed out. And that was to Joe Maurer, homegrown number one pick future hall of famer. This is a legit big time offer. It is, it is a legit big time offer. I was hoping throughout that that wouldn't be true, but it's hard for me to sit here right now on December 21st and Cray's agreed to two different contracts, neither with the twins. It's hard for me to sit here and say, you know, they put forth a good faith effort in this with 285 million on the table. I saw a lot of comments. Did the twins really think Correa was going to sign for 285 million? I said throughout. I didn't think he was going to get 300 million and this market just kind of exploded and things changed. And I ultimately was wrong about that. 285 uh, compared to 350 is nothing compared to 315. It's at least in the same ballpark, but if you're unwilling to come up from 285 to even 300 like that, maybe the twins wanted to do that. But again, they didn't feel that it was ultimately going to make a difference in the end. It's, it's kind of dumbfounding, honestly, the whole situation and the fact that they weren't first, they weren't second. They may not have been third. You know, they may not have been third. If, if Correa said, I'm willing to take $285 million, maybe other teams are getting involved. You know, maybe teams didn't want to go to 300 or 315 or 320 or 330. They didn't, clearly. You know, he took $35 million less to sign with the Mets, the second highest bidder by definition. But if that number came down to where the Twins are at, you wonder who else is getting involved in this thing because that's that's less for all of these other teams. It puts the Twins in a in a really tough spot and I think for baseball for baseball, Steve Cohen. I saw a lot of discourse about Steve Cohen today. The Mets just bajillionaire owner who now is running a 300 million I I got to look it up. Mets payroll on on FanGraphs. So it looks like a roster resource. They're going to roll into 2023 with a 376 million dollar payroll luxury tax payroll 388 million dollars for the new york mets 376 million committed to this roster before you know the luxury the twins have currently 118 million committed to their roster the mets are at 376 when cohen came in and he was signing all these guys in his first offseason it was last year i think it was last year it was like super cool for the sport it was like oh this is it's a Big owner coming in. He's a Mets fan. He's a lifelong Mets fan. He's signing these players. He wants to win. He says a World Series within five years. That's so cool. I wish my owner did that. And now he's doing things like this, and it kind of takes the fun out of free agency in some ways. I'm not saying other owners can't do it. They can. They can afford to do this. They are all rich. Steve Cohen is mega rich, and he's willing to invest in this team at an extremely high level he's going to pay 500 million dollars for this roster because of the luxury tax it's going to be absurd how much he pays for the roster in 2023 and they'll make that he might break even in the in the baseball season he doesn't care you know he doesn't care about that it does take a little bit of the spontaneity out of it for me because when the Mets sign Correa and Verlander and Starling Marte and all these guys and it takes the fun out of it because 
the musical chairs of every other free agent is impacted by that. If Steve Cohen can just come in, you know, Max Scherzer too, if Steve Cohen can just come in, Francisco Lindor, he can just come in and say, all right, we want Correa. We'll put him at third, 315 million. Done deal. As a baseball analyst, like doing a show every day, how how am I going to sit here and say the Twins have a legitimate shot at these free agents when I know that their ownership is not willing to do that? And 29 other owners are not willing to do what Steve Cohen is doing. How, how can I sit here in good faith and say, I think that free agent is good for the Twins? It doesn't really matter because if Steve Cohen wants this free agent, he's going to go get this free agent. And the Polad family can do that too, right? They can do that too. They won't. And Steve Cohen is on a different level. He's on a different level. And I think it's part of me thinks it's a good thing that he's setting this precedent, although I don't think it's going to be a precedent. And the other part of me thinks this is this is bad. This is just it's annoying for mid to small market teams. It I don't think it's good for the competitive balance. I don't think it is. I think there should be a limit on the top end. And if that requires a salary floor, I'm open to that because this is this is a situation where you feel a little bit hopeless in free agency as a fan, like as a fan, you feel a little bit hopeless because you can't control, you can't control anything at the end of the day, but you're also sitting here wondering, like, I want my team to sign Carlos Correa. I want my team to sign Jose Abreu. I want my team to sign X, Y, Z player. The Mets can just swoop in and take them. The front office can want to sign them. The twins can be willing to, to spend a, a bunch and Steve Cohen will say, we'll spend more. And and that's the case for him and, you know, against 29 other clubs. It's, it's tough. I mean, it's a tough debate. I understand both sides of it. It's just, it's annoying on a day like today where it's like hoarding free agents and it it sort of ruins the fun of the market. You know, I just like when the Mets sign somebody, I don't even dislike the Mets. I'm indifferent, but it's annoying to me now. The Mets signed actually, oh, Kodai Singa, Max Scherzer, Justin Berliner, Carlos Correa, it leaves less for every other team, and it leaves especially less for teams like the Twins who are unwilling to spend uh, anywhere near that level of money. After this word from NHTSA, Correa, where do the Twins go from here? What does it tell us about the future for the Twins in free agency? Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell, everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI, paid for by NHTSA. Where does this leave the Twins for future free agency? We've kind of gone over the big picture in the last couple of days, what it means for the rest of the offseason. It's slim pickings. They needed a miracle. Correa is a Matt instead of a twin for $35 million less than he would have signed with San Francisco. Makes you feel like the Twins were so far away from this ever happening, which I don't think was real. I didn't think it was reality for a lot of the offseason. Now I think it it is. Now I think it's reality that they were far away forever and maybe weren't even willing to to get up beyond we know they weren't willing to get up beyond 285 but not willing to get to 300, 305, 310. 
I, I've said throughout this process, and I've I've tweeted it, I've said it on the show, and I think continuously through the through the season, the regular season, through the offseason, there was not a more ideal situation for the Twins to lock up a long-term star. That's what Carlos Correa is. He's a long-term, he's a star. He's a superstar when he's healthy. Carlos Correa, and he's been healthy the last two years. He's a superstar-level player, both sides of the ball. Best free agent other than Aaron Judge in the open market as far as I'm concerned this year. Best free agent on the open market last year has gotten massive offers from a handful of teams, you know, last year and this year included. He's in his prime, you know, 28 years old. He is a superstar. He played a season in Minnesota. By all accounts, sound like he liked it. Now I kind of call that into question maybe a little bit, although Boris gave the Twins a chance on Tuesday. Liked it. Twins really liked him. Have a hole at shortstop. The Yankees and Dodgers are not involved on this. Yankees and Dodgers not involved. Twins are willing with open books to offer a massive contract, and it still did not happen. It still was not enough. So what does this tell me about the future? If it didn't happen now, when is it ever going to happen? When is it ever going to happen? The Twins offered him $285 million. I think, personally, that was a one-off for Carlos Correa because this was a one-off situation. Do I foresee them next year offering Rafael Devers $330 million? 315 million with inflation that's 300 from 285 this year. No, do I see them offering premier free agents in the future high level money? Does this tell me anything about that? I don't think so. I don't think it does because they had such a rigid limit at 285. It feels like that was such a rigid limit. I I don't foresee that happening in the future. I think they this it's a mixture of front office and ownership. I don't know who is to blame for something like this. It's a mixture, but this was a, a perfect storm for everybody involved to to bring back Carlos Correa, to give him a big-time deal. He, You got a second chance. You got a second chance to do it. You missed out once. You got a second chance to do this, and they still didn't do it. It still did not happen. You had a superstar willing to come back at a dollar figure that was fair to him or that was close to others, and he did not, and they didn't do it. It tells me and unfortunately tells me that the future in free agency for them at the top of the market, as it always has been, is bleak. They had an opportunity to break down a longstanding custom, a longstanding wall that's been a part in this organization forever that they're unwilling to sign big free agents. And I'm sick of people treating them like they're the A's and the Royals and the like they're not. They're not. This is a mid market that can afford to sign a $300 million player. They can do it. They choose not to do it. Front office, ownership, they choose not to do it. Every single offseason, you have players who you can sign. And it takes two to tango. It really does. You know, maybe Correa the whole time, that was window dressing, and it wasn't enough on the twin side. It could have been both. It takes two to tango. We haven't seen a history where this is this is going to happen again in free agency and, and where they're, they'd be willing to go even higher. In a, in a bidding war for a top free agent. Ownership hires a front office. And that, that's what I keep coming back to. Owners pick their front office. And for whatever reason, this front office is so rigid in what they're willing to do. They'll take some risks. You know, that Josh Donaldson was a risk. Carlos Correa wasn't really a risk. I, I Carlos Correa for one in 35, to me, that wasn't a risk. Even if there were two extra $35 million options on there, like that's not really a risk. Josh Donaldson 
was a risk, but they've never really made a pitching risk. The trades, much more so than free agency, their largest pitching deal I've ever handed out was Michael Pineda for two and 21. Much more via trade, and we could see that risk actualized in the Tyler Malley or the Kenta Maeda with Bruzar Gratterall, although I don't know if he's going to end up being that lockdown reliever. Could see it actualized in other trades they they make in the future because I think they're much more willing to make those trades. Jorge Lopez at the trade deadline as well. They're very rigid in their stance, and ownership hired this front office. The Polads hired this front office. They did not hire a Dave Dombrowski front office. They did not hire a, a front office that is known to push the limits of payroll, to push ownership to spend, to try to to get that level up, you know, to 150, 160, 170. They that they're not there. You know, they're not there and I was really hoping they would be there this offseason. When you see teams like the Mets spending 376 million dollars on their roster and the Twins are sitting at 118 as not the Kansas City Royals. This isn't a small market. It's not. It's not. They can they can spend. They can spend more, and they should spend more. And it's frustrating when things like this happen. I understand you're going to lose to New York a lot. You're going to lose to Los Angeles. You're going to lose to Philly. You're going to lose to Miami, even the Florida. You know, like you're going to lose sometimes in free agency. Arlington with the Rangers or Houston, it's going to happen a lot. It's going to happen more than you win in free agency. It would be nice to get a win that isn't because you're the last man standing with Josh Donaldson. It, I, it would be nice to get a win because we offered the most to a, a premier free agent and we got our guy and we made sure it happened. That would be so refreshing and you would silence so much of the crowd that just screams about not signing these players. But I have to sit here now and I do the same thing. I have to do the same thing. I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to do that because I love this team and I hope that this team is is well run. You know, you you are optimistic and hopeful that it's well run. And sometimes I just I don't know. You know, I'm I'm skeptical about that overall. I'm skeptical about the front office and about ownership and about the the thought process and and what goes into this and that's kind of a hopeless feeling because we have no control there's no control over the situation on the fan side which uh it can be tough it can be really tough you have a right to be frustrated here i am you know i'm annoyed i'm frustrated not just at the twins but like cohen <laughs> going a little bit the big markets uh the system maybe perhaps but overall it's just it sucks man they lost twice here they lost twice and it's like re injury it's like you got hit by a car and then pushed back in front of the car and you're gonna hit by the car again it's like i'm good i'm good after one thanks so much for making locked on twins your first listen today for your second listen check out locked on sports today as always the biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less plus instant reactions game recaps and lockdowns take of the day lockdown sports today available on youtube and wherever you get your podcast thank you so much for listening Thank you so much for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every day on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day, and we'll be back. Go Twins.